Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while Hello and welcome to the dark forest We're live at Austin Books and Comics in Austin, Texas Really? What was that applause? There was a giant applause thing in my ear. I have no idea. Was that a radio effect, Mike? That was the studio audience. It was the studio audience. <laughs> they cut off immediately. It's uh, it's exciting times. Uh, that's Ernie Klein, by the way. He's going to be my guest. Let me let me do my announcements. Here we are in Austin, Texas, at Austin uh, Books and Comics, and it's easily uh, the coolest comic book store I've seen in a million years. Holy smokes, it's huge, and uh, it's awesome. And Brandon's uh, fantastic. So you should all come here if you ever come here. And uh, the uh, the other thing is, is uh, Mike is doing the live recording. That'll be nice. We'll put a link to his uh, his beeswax when, uh, when, when this goes. Patrick will massage the audio, of course. Patrick Brady. Mike Rickberg just sang the song you heard. He'll sing again at the end, which you people will not hear, unless we all want to sing it together. And then uh, the Mexican hat dance. And then um, Vilmos fixes the website. Sitting next to me, uh, Ready Player One and fanboys and uh, owner of a 1982 DeLorean, uh, Mr. Ernie Klein. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Yes. This is your comic book store, right? It's true. Uh, when my book came out, I did my book signing and I sat right here and right. signed books right at this table. Right now. at this, right in front of uh, the Avengers number one and the Fantastic Four number one. It's true. I try not to look at those so I'm not tempted to steal anything. <laughs> right. You already bought a DeLorean. You're, it's you're, true. Yeah. You got to hold off for a second. But how awesome if the trunk was full of all these comics. All of them. It's um, uh, I'm not going to touch any of them. No. No. I, 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 I will be looking. I am a gazelle. So I will trip and fall and knock my coffee over into him so I, why don't i put the cover back on hey so uh i've read your book i've listened to airwolf i've listened to your spoken word stuff it's uh it's fantastic you used Thank to do stand-up you told me it's did uh, i i did uh, before i um uh, tried uh spoken word or doing stuff at poetry slams i uh, would uh, go and perform at the Funny Bone in Columbus, Ohio, and then I would like I toured around and did... Dave Stroop. Oh yes, there you go. I know um, it's you've you've worked the road, and it's a, but you're uh, you have much more resilience than me because I after about a year I'm like oh man I don't think that I can do this right. Eventually uh, you say to yourself oh well, that's right it's not always fun it's a job to some extent it is and I you know and I wasn't the best at uh, you know keeping an audience interested and I would go off on my nerdy tangents and it. Um, you know, I just don't think I was. Uh, uh, what year it, was that? Um, I want to say 1994, 95. I okay. still have tapes that I of myself doing it that I need to yeah, destroy. I think you could avoid those, right? Yeah, they early should... tapes of stand-up comedy are never to be watched. Nope. <laughs> so I, so I had a guy just tweet at me. He was like, "Will you watch my uh, my first uh, my first stand-up comedy set?" And then another guy was like, "I'm thinking of going on the road and doing 30 minutes. Will you watch my?" Set? And I was like, "I don't want to watch anybody on television do stand-up comedy." To quote Emo Phillips. Uh, Stand-up comedy, live, live. Watching it on television is like incest, where you've given up um, <laughs> quality for convenience. Right. That's uh, an Emo Phillips joke. It's a very good one. EmoPhillips.com. Uh, ErnieKlein.com is your website. And I listened to Airwolf, and Gabe and I were just talking about this. Uh, our mutual friend, Lee Bennett, a friend of my husband's fr- since the dawn of man, 
turned me on to your spoken word stuff and and had us listen to There's Nothing Better Than Airwolf. And then I tried to watch Airwolf, and that didn't work out for oh, me. Oh, no, it's not There might have been show. a window. Might have been a window that I missed. I missed it. it was, I was not actually a fan of that show. Uh, oh, really? I was more of a Knight Rider fan, actually. But, exactly. Um, but that was something, uh, uh, Something uh, I don't know, Just a, I was watching bad television and this movie, Koyana Scotsi, like the same night, and I watched a, an episode of Airwolf, and it occurred to me how funny it would be if like Airwolf was built up as the greatest invention of all time. Like Airwolf was the greatest thing in history. Okay. And then he used it as an adjective for the greatest <laughs> thing in it was just a really ridiculous idea that I took to the to the extreme. To and, the nth degree. Yeah, and, and now people that I don't even know. Think you as, love Airwolf, though. Right. But, you know, it's just uh, it's, people who don't, you don't have to love Airwolf to get the, I think, the silliness of using Airwolf as an adjective. Of, it's true. Yeah, it's true. You can just embrace the idea of Airwolf. Please it's do. A, Please embrace the idea of Airwolf. <laughs> right. Because I, I embrace the idea of Kit the car a little bit more just because the car had a lot more personality. Yeah. The car could jump around and talk. And, and yeah. And, yeah, well, yeah. My, my DeLorean has a kit scanner on the front. I didn't turn it on to impress you, but I oh. have a kit. Yeah. I was already blown away by the flux capacitor and the hoverboard, my yeah. friend. <laughs> it's, uh, I didn't want to I didn't want to uh, make you hysterical, Jackie, by right. turning on the be like, all of a sudden epilepsy. And then it was some sort of strobe light. <laughs> and I was like having a grand mal seizure. Yeah, right. that would have been bad. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to bring the proton pack and all of the gear, but I'm I'm like, well, if I'm going to the Dork Forest, and I really, I guess I need to establish my nerd, oh, yeah. my Dork credentials up front. Right. And uh, so do I win, like, the best vehicle coming uh, to the Dork Forest? Definitely. Podcast? Though oh. I, I have had um, a guy named Obi-Shawn on. His name is Obi-Shawn. His oh, name I've is seen, Sean. I've seen his car. Have I know the, his license, He has a personalized plates that say Obi-Shawn, right? Yes, yes. Yes, I've been to some Star Wars conventions. Not, I know that's shocking. Sh- I am uh, shocked. And I've seen his car, you know, right. par- parked in the... Dressed as an X-Wing. Yes. With, uh, with R2-D2 in the back and everything. I'm he jealous. Takes it to, like, he like, takes it, like, to, to, to children's hospitals and... and and lets kids crawl on it, and uh, I don't know That's how. Awesome. I don't know if he lets sick kids crawl on it because they're probably weak. <laughs> I'm sure he does. You can, yes. you know, then he takes to the car wash. <laughs> Bit of a jackass. Uh, Jackie Cation, please come and see me do stand up, and uh, <laughs> you can see it in person. But uh, yeah, so now I, um, as much as I love your spoken word, Steve Mandel, another uh, listener, friend of the show, uh, he uh, was like. And and others were telling me to read Ready Player One, which is your book, which I have described more than once as a a 40-year-old slacker Hunger Games, which is, I think, apropos just because it uh, (laughs) – It's a it's a it's a cool read. Like it's a smooth read to the finish, and you're just like, oh my god, I never want to go to Columbus, um, <laughs> but because uh, that's where the Sixers live, man. But uh, I have a question about about Ready Player One, which is um, it's entirely based. Uh, like everyone has to know about 1978 to 1984. Is that about right? Yeah. Well, you know, there's some late 80s stuff, kind of all of the 80s and like a lot of like late 70s. Like if you if you grew up in if you were born in the early late 60s, early 70s and kind of grew up in the 70s and 80s, then those are those are the two key decades, because that's that's when the eccentric billionaire uh, grew up. And so he's kind of obsessed with all the pop culture of his youth. So you get some late 70s stuff like Schoolhouse Rock and Rush, but also mostly primarily the 80s. Right. And it was so the question is to write the book. Was the research done? Did you have to go relive these moments, or did you just Wikipedia? Did you just go to the internet? I didn't do. I didn't. I, the only time I would use the internet was just to double check 
um, that I was remembering something correctly. Because the whole fun of the book and the whole reason, like the whole uh, uh, idea that I had was I could make this eccentric billionaire all of his obsessions, my obsessions, and then that would make it easier to write my first novel <laughs> because I would be writing about all of the stuff that I love. So it was just Easy like... Easy enough. Yeah, so it was just a way for me to like work all of the stuff that I love into a story and celebrate it in like a fun way um, and have it be part of the plot and not just, you know, like uh, ham-handed references that are thrown in for no reason. So, right. Yeah. Right. Which is... Yeah, and there's there's nothing in there that is thrown in there for no reason. I will say that. I mean, the, granted, the reason is sometimes I loved this, <laughs> but which I don't I don't begrudge you that at all. It's like, but when when spoiler alert, there you go, and it's not that big of a spoiler, which is just uh, war games from the early eighties. There is a walkthrough essentially uh, being done in in the in the book at at, at certain points and. Um, did you have to put the the movie in and just oh, check yeah. the dialogue? Well, I had I mean, it on my hard drive. I, you um, don't have I, you don't have these things memorized. I guess is what I'm asking. No, I do not have all of War Games memorized, but I, there are a lot of movies that I think all the uh, uh, work. Well, you know, I probably have all of <laughs> a lot of War Games memorized and a lot of the John Hughes movies. I've just seen them. Like I'm like weird about movies because I'll put them on the, in the background while I'm yeah. doing other stuff, like an album, right? And switch stuff around. So and a lot of the dialogue is embedded. And whenever I go, like the Alamo Draft House here in Austin, they'll have quote alongs. And when I go to quote alongs oh. for movies like Ferris Bueller, I'm shocked that you know, or Real Genius, I know all the dialogue. It's all embedded. Oh, in my, okay. So I'm as big a nerd, you know, not quite as huge a nerd as maybe the characters in my book, but I, you know, dabble. I approach. Sure. And level. well, I used to. Um, I would rip the the audio off of VHS tapes and just listen to the movies as I drove around the country doing one-nighters. Because I'm, I'm cool like that. I've and done that as well. That makes a road trip so much more fun, especially if it's a movie you've seen a million times. It has to be. Yeah, and then, uh, you can, almost. then it's just like watching the movie in your The first three Star Wars, uh, the two good Indiana Jones movies, and uh, and then a bunch of George Cukor movies from the 30s <laughs> for some reason. I was like, you know what? I really liked Holiday. With uh, Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn, I would like to listen to that movie over and over again because they talk about justice. I'm so impressed that you did that off of VHS. It's much easier now. You can rip the audio off of a a DVD. It's much easier, but you Just did a it. Bit you, did, you were taping it from VHS to audio cassette. Oh yeah, I have a handheld. Well, you know, <sighs> yeah, who doesn't? Who didn't have a handheld uh, tape player back in the back in the '90s when they wanted to? <laughs> and then just to run a little wire. I'm a, I'm a little techie, not, right? Not, not, not to record, and you would you would use the handheld uh, uh, audio recorder to record bits. You one of those comics that you had an yeah. idea. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, here's When I first started doing stand-up, you were told that you should record every show and then listen to it. And I recorded every show. It's almost impossible to listen to them. Uh, you're just like, ah, no, okay. Oh, I blew yeah. that one. Yeah, uh, it yeah. turns out. No. But the great thing, the reason, if you comics are out there, the reason to do it is, of course, is you you say things on stage that you'd forget that you've said them. So you might as well record them and yeah. stuff like that. So when you do spoken word stuff, do you write it out and read it? Or do you write it out and memorize it? Yeah, I memorized. That was part of the, I think, part of my stiffness as a comic, and I would never really relax for the audience because I was a huge nerd and very nervous and not, you know, a lot of self esteem. And so I would, and you need to be comfortable with an audience for them to be comfortable, you know, unless that's your whole, you know, stick. Right, unless that's your persona. Right. But if you're OCD and you have to memorize your jokes, yeah. And Sometimes they don't come out sounding as natural. And that was my problem. But with, uh, and I think that's why I was a much better fit when I would do, uh, started performing at Poetry Slams, which was just like kind of like the moth or like an open mic where you could get up and do anything that you want for three minutes. Right. And then people score you on it. And I could just memorize a short, funny monologue uh, and not really even pause for laughs. I would just, you know, kind of <laughs> rip through it. 
and um, just to make the time limit. Uh, and, right. uh, and then I would make recordings of myself doing this and put them online. It was not like traditional comedy. And, it, and I never really thought of it as poetry. Right. Although some people, you know, called it that. But to me, it was just like getting up and saying a funny monologue for three minutes. Right. Because yeah. you, you had you had funny in you that it had to be said out loud. Right. And yeah. not necessarily like funny bone, you know, like touring the country kind of funny. Because that's a no, whole no. different like that's a whole different skill skill set, I think, than doing poetry. Be good on stuff. NPR. Yeah. You can do that on NPR with the with the reading and the talking and the talking and right. the reading. If you slow down and breathe and, you know, don't talk about uh, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons so much, maybe they'll let me on NPR. They do like a nice dick joke, though, don't yeah, they, on, they? on NPR? <laughs> no. To liven up the drive time. <laughs> exactly. Who doesn't, who doesn't want to hear that? And uh, so, yeah, it's – what do you – so – that's you grew up playing D anD D. Did you play D anD D when you were a kid? Or yeah, well, I didn't. Uh, um, I or did uh, you just read the books? I read the books when I didn't have anybody to play with, right. and then when I got to high school, like because you're kind of isolated in my town. You know, everybody goes to different grade schools, and maybe there's one or two other nerdy kids in each grade school. But then mm-hmm. they combine all the schools for like junior high and high school, and that's when you find the other. That's when you find your people. Yes, that's when you have enough. Of, in my town, anyway, I had a big enough nerd population where, to find where the other. Where did you grow up? Ashland, Ohio. Okay, little town. Yeah, in Ohio. little little kind of uh, factory town. Factory or, town. It used yeah. to be a factory town back when you know we had factories. Right, right. Me too. Yeah, yeah a little factory town in Wisconsin. Now it's a bedroom community, it's probably true. for Chicago because it's outside of Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, that's the same <laughs> thing for my town. Like, I used to be a huge uh, latex, and they would make swirly balls whenever you would uh, like those balls, those rubber balls you find in Walgreens. They were all made in my town, and also oh, like, like the dollar Dollar balls, like yeah. those, the like the giant cage of balls. Giant, and, yeah, and they were. Like, if you looked at all of them, they would say made by you know Headstrom in Ashland, Ohio, and oh. uh, yeah, that's where everybody worked. And we used to be like the balloon. Probably, and I think condom manufacturing capital of the world. There was until, some plastic being dealt with. It was all happening in Ashland, Ohio. <laughs> but then, the, you know, the factories closed one by one, and now it's um, uh, there's just the the Family Dollar and the Aldi's and some super some, uh, and then it's just sort of a, a, it's um, a ghost town suburb. Yeah, well, there's a college there. There's a university and a, a seminary, so that kind of keeps the town okay um, going. But yeah, there was in the 80s. You know, it was seemed it was like a suburb, but not near anything. Okay, so it sucked. Like the nearest town was um, uh, where you could What's see the like a first city, Mansfield. It was a big city to us, uh-huh. Mansfield, Ohio. You are correct. That is a small town right. we, that's next we want, to a smaller city. If you wanted to go to the mall, a mall uh, in the 80s, which was very important in the 80s, oh, yeah. as you know, you had to drive to Mansfield. Uh, and to see a first-run movie, we had like a, a little like Ashland Square cinemas that would get movies like three or four months. Oh yeah, uh, at later. But, but it was like a buck, I bet, or three dollars, right? Um, Might I have don't been. remember. The floors are very sticky. It was not Wait, good. In South Milwaukee, we had a movie theater, and weirdly enough, they got movies from the fifties. Um, they wow. all they had they had like all those old monster movies. I remember I was like five or six years old, and after church every Sunday, we would go see some weird Dracula movie from the fifties or the forties. And you were like the Garden Theater, and you're like, why? First of all, are you letting a five year old go? But second of all, <laughs> why? Why don't we at least have like third run 1972 movies? You know, that's awesome. That sounds like a film nerd uh, programming the theater. Yeah. And, yeah, in 1972 though, which is weird. And you, you're like, all right, well, that's. I mean, there were there were hippie nerds back then too, but uh, it seems because everybody was everybody was a hippie. See, our factory town, we made strip mining equipment, oh. and then in the late 70s we made reclamation equipment talk about creating your own need oh, right yeah, that's, huh? that's nice right there earth moving earth moving back and uh that's what's that's a good plan that was our plan still in business so it does still employ some factory people oh awesome yeah we got that going for us but uh, so when you grew up you didn't you didn't you just read because i had just found out about this where, where there weren't enough kids to play D. 
So you, all you did was read the books, and you like reread the and books, and you like read the books. And yeah, or I'd play with my cousin like on a holiday or something like once, but never had like a regular group of nerds to play. And then in high school, I hit the jackpot, and I found like this group of like. Uh, eight or nine guys who were all super nerds, and they didn't play just Dungeons and Dragons. They played like eight different flavors of Dungeons and Dragons, right. like Car Wars, which is like Mad Max, and uh, GURPS, right. which was like GURPS. All, yeah, and you could play like Star Frontiers, which is like a science fiction version of Dungeons and Dragons. So these guys would play all of these games and have like, like any multiple... tabletop RPG. Oh yeah, they were, like and they had shelves of these books and boxes full of all the different game, and also just long boxes of comics. So it was like this giant basement nerd layer that I stumbled into, and ended up spending most of uh, high school like hanging out with this group of guys and playing all these different games and kind of being immersed in... I didn't realize it was nerd culture or geek culture. At that. I just thought we were a bunch of nerds in a basement in Ohio. You just thought they were these things called friends exactly, that other people yeah. had. It was and exciting it, times. Exactly. <laughs> these guys love all the same crap. And you know. And also, like it taught me... That was like my first exposure to storytelling because playing those games is really... You're making up a story. Yeah. You, set, you pick a setting. You make up a story. You each develop your character and then you make up a story together. And it teaches you... You know, It taught me how to tell stories in all these different genres like on the fly. And a chop-chop get to it because if you're playing with nine other guys they're like i want to kill something at some point and you're gonna have to get us through that door right yes, now it's stop true. describing the floor <laughs> and uh, you know it was because i i'd never i'd never played D. um I, I play now oh my gosh i'm in a 3.5 game i'm in a pathfinder game i'm Ooh. in a champions game wow yeah, when you run the dork forest, it turns out people are like, what about playing some games? And you're like, I'm on board, my friends. I will play whatever. I'm a dork chameleon to What's some extent. What's your champion's uh, superhero? My, oh, you know what? We uh, Actually, I think we're in between. I always tend to play a minority for some reason. I'm a, I mean, I'm usually a techie. It's a, I was a gypsy um, <laughs> uh, 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 fix-it girl. Oh, you and, could fix um, any kind of technology. I, yeah, I could fix any kind of technology, and then I could I would roll the dice and have a good chance of um, of being able to build something. And uh, you know, the thing I don't like about champions is that it seems to be organized math. There's a lot of math <laughs> with champions. I don't know if you've all a lot of these role playing games. There's a lot of math and rolling dice and doing is, subtraction, and it's they trick nerds into doing extra math. You know, the the three point five game I play uh, is a uh, there's. I'm playing with four guys who have been playing since they were 13. And so the Dungeons and Dragons, they like to get into the politics of the Eberron world. I want to find something to roll. Right. I want to uh, kill I, something. I, I want to was... kill somebody and roll the body. It's very munchkin-y. So. It was all, yeah. With, it was a bunch of teenage boys when I played, like kind of in our like late teens and yeah. or, uh, through our early 20s. So it was all about slaying dragons and, you know, fighting wars and uh, and romancing, you know, barmaids. Oh, right, right. Oh, is there yeah. a girl in there? Yeah, exactly. Is there a girl? There? Is there a girl? Yeah. Can and... I talk? Talk to her. I'm gonna roll my charisma. Yeah, good times. I, but I, I, I never knew what it was. Like I used to think that it was. I would get like tabletop, uh, pen and paper RPG, which is essentially just a board game that someone makes up. Like the dungeon master or the game master is the person who writes the story, and then everybody else plays that story, and then that story goes somewhere where the game master did not think that that story was going to go. Right. Because you can go wherever you want. And uh, but I thought it was that. I thought it was live action role playing games. Oh, I thought it was yeah. like dress up in costumes and sword fights. Because that, that Tom Hanks uh, made for TV movie mazes, and mazes Monst- and monsters. Uh, I, you know, I never. It was a. It was a. It was a stigma. A, there was a stigma attached. My mother thought it was satanic. I had to sneak my D and D books in and out of the house under my shirt and stuff because she thought I was gonna. I was like 
learning witchcraft. I was going to cast real spells and stuff. It was a very religious family, and Dungeons and Dragons was not cool. But that made it even made me want to do it even more. Yeah, I mean, it was like listening to Judas Priest. It was made it cool. You know, that's funny that that, that was uh, that's actually a pretty good way to turn your kids into nerds <laughs> is to uh, is to ban things that are perfectly harmless. Yeah. you know what I don't enjoy uh, working out. Uh, you know what vegetables? You vegetables. never get to eat them. They, the, the sign of the devil. And. Uh, <laughs> You know what else is satanic? Abstinence. Abstinence. Yeah. Yes. Thanks, yes. Mom. You guys should be doing it more often. <laughs> you guys could do it. And uh, when I say it, I'm talking about sex. I'm actually right. talking about sex. And uh, <laughs> thanks, mom. Sure. I hope she's listening. <laughs> I, hope she's, uh, I hope she's listening. And uh, but the uh, uh, yeah, I I liked. Um, like for me, I didn't. I didn't have any. All I did was read. Like I read a lot of uh, science fiction books and fantasy books and and mysteries and and westerns and Louis L'Amour. I, I would read anything actually, just to avoid any sort of social contact. But then I was in <laughs> band. And uh, were you in the band at all? No, I. You know, I showed up. I played guitar uh, kind of badly, three or four chords, and I thought that I could, I could get into stage band. And yeah. So I tried to get in there in like high school. But those were all kids who had been in band. From what? from eighth, you know, when from they were birth eight years or whenever old, yeah. they pick out the band kids and sit, put, sit them aside, <laughs> and you're going to be in the band forever. And so right. I, I was not really welcome, and I couldn't really play my instrument, so it didn't work out with me in it stage did. band. But I could still, I could see it was a very tight knit group, of right? Kids. It was, yeah. it was, a, it was another bunch of nerds that were just like, we, oh, these are what these will be my friends, and uh, it's, it's like, uh, did you do any? Like, what were your extracurricular as I delved in I was on your... swim team. But oh, did you do some swimming? I, yeah, I didn't realize, you know, how suspect that would have made me in high school at the time. Like, later on, my friends were like, oh, that's so gay to be on the swim team. I'm like, really? Oh. I thought we were so cool. But, um, uh, <laughs> it was like, speedos, no, you wax your, yeah. you wax your like chest a, and, and wear a Speedo. That and was considered... chubby kid. What kind of idiot chubby guy joins the swim team in high school? <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but I did it. And uh, I ended up being, like, the team funny guy. Like, I was the coach. I ended up being a varsity letterman but not because i was any good i think just because the coach thought i was amusing oh, okay so yeah but you got to swim and in, in i got to swim and, stuff? and yeah i swam and i did the butterfly and you know i was you know i was a warm body i think on the swim team okay uh, yeah. they, they needed numbers it was a small that town. was the extent of my extracurricular activities because like well, one of my D buddies was on he's like oh you should do the swim team you get to see girls in bathing suits every day after school i'm like that sounds good so <laughs> that, yeah, the, <laughs> it sounds hence, like a good plan yeah it's <laughs> Did you go to college in Ohio? Um, I did. I went to the University of Akron for one whole year before I dropped out. And, Sweet. And then went to uh, But you Alaska. finished college. You were just no, done no, with no. it. No, no, no. I did not finish college. I uh, was. Are a, you thinking of going back? No, I don't then really. I'm hoping I can get one of those honorary degrees now where you don't have to do anything. They just nice. give you one. Bill Cosby, Kevin, a PhD. Kevin Smith's got like eight or nine of those. Like, you know, they don't, they're not really valuable. So, hey, if anybody's listening, throw mm. me a honorary degree he's willing to do it i'm willing to show up and take that honorary degree you uh, are. Um, but after uh yeah i um high school I, I wasn't really mature enough really for college i went you know when i was like 19 and realized and i spent the whole time uh in my dorm room skipping class and uh dialing uh bulletin boards on my commodore 64 out of my dorm room because i figured out a way to make free long distance phone calls Sweet. and have it be billed to the university so that was why i dropped out of college because i flunked out of everything because i was dialing into european bulletin boards to download games from yes, yes. So what games I what keep games? thinking I'm getting too dorky and then I'm realizing uh, no, no, I'm no, on no, the dork space, forest so I can go ahead and talk uh, about yeah, my what, what games how would you download games through the 
wait, to the phone line? Through the wait, it was through the internet. Was, Hi, I'm here all week. Anyway, so don't forget to back tip before the, the staff. internet. Uh, you uh, people would set up a bulletin board, which is just connect their computer to a phone line, and you okay. could use your phone connected to a modem, maybe even a coupler modem, right. where you put the old coupler, suction cups in there, right. and um, and dial out, and you could connect to their computer, and then at very slow baud. And very small programs you could download across the phone line. Okay. Uh, and uh, you had to be careful that you were dialing in within your own area code and you weren't paying long-distance charges or it could cost you, like, you know, 100 bucks to download. Because it would take too long. Exactly. Okay. So um, so uh, what games did you – were they, like, text games? Or? Oh, you could dial in – like, a, some some bulletin boards had multiple lines. You could dial in at once and play games live against other people. It was crazy. Oh, that is crazy. Or you could log into a chat room that was divided up into multiple rooms and, like, follow people. Like, hey, follow me – West and you type go west and then you go west and there's you know and Jackie. this is like ninety ninety two or ninety yeah ninety two ninety three already okay. like uh, you could do this on bulletin boards they were called gate games and okay. uh, yeah so this is all like nerds pre internet like nerding out with their computers and people would have like bulletin board clubs in their like town. prodigy right I know yeah like this is prod like in prodigy the same time era. as prodigy yeah, yeah. it's like prodigy but on the, like the small local scale uh, and but so were they were they board games or were they um no they were like uh like turn-based turn, rpg turn, turn-based rpgs and like space combat games so if you would log in and take your turn like in risk or something yeah and then the, oh, and okay. then then you would log out and the next time somebody each person would log in and take their turn and then it was all kind of turn-based oh. it was very fun and very yeah. nerdy yeah yeah, yeah. And, and time consuming and Holy time smokes. consuming yeah. that, that is a commitment to uh to some gaming <laughs> i uh, i have a mac classic uh, in my garage still it has two megs of ram i Ooh. i refer to it as both both <laughs> megs of ram we've had enough and uh, but uh i've never thrown it out because and i there has to be some sort of mod online that i could just go and get this game but there's a game on my mac classic that i really liked and it was uh, uh temple of doom or dungeons of doom that's what it was called and it was half text and half half um, a black and white tiny bit screen, 8-bit screen, where you would run around and pick up things, and there were hints like the 40th level is death, and oh, yeah. and yeah, you I would pick up food, and you would eat, and then you would fight, and then you would get new weapons, and it was a ridiculous game. What, did you play it? No, actually, it was a different game that my brother... That was just like it? Yeah. A different game? But it was the greatest thing. I liked it better than just plain text games where, you know, those text games like from War Games where you had to type in what you were going to do oh, next. Yeah. I always died in those. <laughs> I never I never chose the correct door. I always died. But even if you had just a little crude rudimentary graphic, like that would just bring your... Imagine- For some reason yeah. that brought my focus into the correct <laughs> area and then you could wander around and it was fine. Uh, I You know, uh, uh, there's games like that. Like the, the one in my book, Dungeons of Daggerath, which was a little running around a dungeon like wireframe dungeon with real crude graphics and real crude sound. Uh, cr- well, was, was that on like a? Was that on the Mac or no, was that, that on the TRS eighty color ah, computer uh, that I had in the? Um, and uh, I just would play that game endlessly, stay up late at night, and like hearing like this really crude like you know ogre roar like down the corridor would just you know set me on edge. And there's something it's crazy like how you play a game like that when you're younger, and then you don't play it for like ten years, and then you go back and play it. How it's like. It's like um, I always think of that analogy. You, you can never go home again. Like you go visit your house, and it's not doesn't look the oh, same right. as you remember it because you're taller. Yeah, or you're taller, or <laughs> it's changed, or the street's different, or you know. But uh, a video game is that's like a virtual place that's always the same, and you go back, and it's 
you know, you go play Pitfall on your Atari. It's exactly how you remember, you know, yes. and it's like that place hasn't changed at all since your yes, childhood. That's There's something so really true. fascinating, like video game nostalgia, like these virtual split, like uh, spaces that you remember that you used to play in when you were a kid, and they're always there, and they, you know, are always the same. Yeah, it's kind of cool. That is cool. I wonder if that's uh, going to stunt our growth as people. Uh, I probably clearly uh, people say that our, you know, as our generation, our uh, growth is clearly stunted, or we wouldn't be writing books about. Our the 1980s and, right. and <laughs> giant robots and Duran Duran. <laughs> ah, Duran Duran. Yeah. It's uh, the music references. I didn't. I don't get a lot of uh, like some of the games I didn't play in Ready Player One. Like I played most of the uprights. It was a bad. I'm surprised I made it through college, quite honestly, because it was the first year I'd, I ever had any money. I got student loans coming out of my ears. Right. It was awesome because we were poor. And uh, <laughs> I spent 70 bucks a week on video games for a about six weeks until I met a guy who had to drop out because he spent all of his student loans at, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, arcade. That's at the arcade. And I was like, oh, maybe I should try hitting on the guy that works at the arcade. And, uh, <laughs> and then he gave me a bunch of free credits. And I was like, what I never, what I never connected was that a, I was hitting on him to get free credits. B, he was giving me free credits, which meant I could have dated that man. That right. would have, that you, never wow. connected. That I was like, oh, I might want to. Oh, it's a fella who's yeah, interested. That never occurred to me to get free credits. I'm kicking myself now. I never thought, why you don't I hit on the guy? Why don't you tell the guy that you were a swimmer in high oh, school? All that time, I know. Hey, there could have been a photo of me in a speedo with my legs waxed. <laughs> How about some tokens? I would not have worked at Aladdin's Castle. <laughs> oh, Aladdin's Castle. I think the name of my uh, my, my local was... Uh, my local. That's what I like to yeah. call it. Sp- <laughs> Spaceport. Spaceport. Oh, that's an awesome name. It's a great name for Aladdin's me. Aladdin's Castle was a chain that they had all around the country. Oh, yeah, that, they were at the mall. The, at the mall in Mansfield. <laughs> in that, in the- that nearby metropolis I mentioned earlier, at the <laughs> Richland Mall there, they had an Aladdin's Castle. We didn't have a local... Did you have a cool local arcade in your town where you, when you were In up? South Milwaukee, there was... Uh, no, but there was a year... See, I, I come from salespeople, so um, I sold student council candy bars and made a great deal of money uh, selling them for double their, again, not really getting the fact that I was a girl right. ever. I was about 14 years old and I was selling these student council candy bars. They were 50 cents each, but I was selling them for a dollar. And I would sell like them. Like door to door? Uh, almost. Uh, I would sell them at every bar in between the two major um department stores like there was a Kmart and there was a Kohl's and so I would walk in between the two of them in every bar and I would sell them for a buck and you know what's what tired factory workers are willing to give you a dollar for to touch your arm uh they're like here's a dollar and I cleared like 75 bucks a week for a couple of months wow. until I got caught was pride. this in the 80s uh, I guess that, it was a different time that you could um uh you I think know, it was in 1980 old, right yeah. 14 year old girl could walk around to bars in South candy. Milwaukee Wisconsin I was weaned on Pabst and Ho-Ho's uh oh, it's man. not like anybody they would serve me at the bowling alley okay. I remember that I ordered a uh an adult beverage my first adult beverage I think I was 14 years old at the at the bowling alley, and the bartender just looked at me and said, "What do you want?" And I said, "A Tom Collins, a Tom Collins. What the? I didn't even know. It didn't even taste like anything." From those 30s movies that you. I think I've been, my mother had been insisting that we watch the 30s movies, and uh, but it was but so, I'll have a Tom Collins. See, but in between, okay, so I would start at the Coles. I would uh, go play that McDonald's game where you you open up the thing. <laughs> Right. And see if you win free fries. And then uh, I would work all the bars all the way to the Kmart, which was about four miles in the other direction to the next town over. And it would, it would take me like, I mean, it was a lot of work, actually. And 
And then I would get to the Kmart. I would sell in front of there. And my pitch was, uh, would you like to be the proud owner and sole proprietor of a student council candy bar? And uh, <laughs> sold many of them. And then right next to the Kmart was the, was the arcade. And I would play a great deal of Donkey Kong because I had a lot of money happening. Right. A lot of Qbert. You've been dubbing, double billing everybody. Exactly. And not paying for video games. Not paying you're... for. Well, that was in college when, oh, okay. I, when I when I started hitting on. When the... you started using your feminine wiles. To My get feminine free... wiles, yeah, which are still still slightly stagnant. Right. Uh, they're coming along though. It's uh, uh, I'm doing pretty good. If you've ever gotten free video games out of it, that you've gotten me beat. I, right. You know, I've always had to pay. <laughs> It's a, you know what I think is the biggest ripoff though, you know, because Spielberg has enough of my money as the game works. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you still play uh, games? Um, now I'm kind of forced to. Uh, people, everybody wants to challenge me and defeat oh, me. Oh, um, oh, and the, oh, that's right. Because and that's my your, dirty secret. I'm not that great at you know video games. Uh, I don't think you have to be. I think you just have to enjoy them. I do. That's enjoy my defense. That, that's my defense on being sucky at them. I'm just like, you know what? You get to be better than me, but I get to like them more. How about that? There is that go. anything? And uh, so what? <laughs> but I have a but huge, you own some, right? I, yeah, I have a classic. I have an old Xbox that's been modded to run emulators, so I can play pretty much every console game made in the 20th century on that. And then I have a PC but is, that is also it in runs an upright. Though, uh, no, that's hooked up to my case? giant television. Is my, oh. But I have an upright in my garage. I have Black Tiger, original Black Tiger cabinet, which was my favorite game. Oh, I never game. played that. What yeah. is, it? is uh, it? It's the game that uh, Wade has to play in, in my book at the second gate. It's like a barbarian running through a dungeon, and uh, you have to slay three dragons. And it's, it was an awesome game that I know three or four guys in my town were addicted to. There was one in, in, uh, in the student center at the university in my town. Right. And then one guy almost dropped out of college because he was addicted to playing Black Tiger. <laughs> And other guys, like, they would just go and play it on one quarter for hours, and it was, like, their obsession. So, right. uh, uh, it was, and it's a great, uh, it's a fun, fun game. It's a, because um, the games that I didn't, like, I didn't play Black Tiger in the game, uh, and I was sucky at Tempest. And, uh, Me cause, too. Because Tempest is, my sister was really good at it. You know, let's brag her up. Anyway, uh, no reason. <laughs> Darla K should We're really all very impressed by your Tempest skills. <laughs> well done. I hope you're listening, Darla. That's right. Finally, some recognition. Anyway, um, <laughs> so. Finally. And, uh, uh, the reason I used uh, Tempest in the book yeah. was because of that uh, extra credits trick that was like legendary with the early, the first version of Tempest. If you uh, if your score ended, there was a bug in the game. And if your score ended with a certain number, yeah. code, it, your credit. Your, oh, you got a your free credits game? would jump no to forty. You would get forty free credits. Oh, it was like this bug, and it would like. There's nothing like being a kid and figuring out a bug in a game, and then you get forty free games of Tempest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, Did you play Galaga? Do you know um, the bug in Galaga? Uh, well, like, well, no. What's the bug in Galaga? Galaga bug is first for if you let the game go by and don't fire your ship. If you don't shoot for the first four or five minutes, I can't remember exactly, uh, all of the Galaga guys never fire back at you for the rest of the game. So you end up dying when they crash into you because you're exhausted and, <laughs> and your perception has gone to shit. And, uh, so, That's awesome. I didn't know about that. Yeah. It's, the thing is, is you do it once because it's cool. And then you're like, I'm never doing that again because it made the game really boring. <laughs> and uh, you're just like, but if there were a billion dollars and a key uh, at then stake. Then you would do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If Steve Jobs' Easter egg was at was at stake, uh, I just heard about this guy, uh, this super nerd. I love stories about nerds like this. Uh, this guy is a master joust player. He's like one of the best joust players. So he's traveling. Joust. He's going to every arcade in the country where there's still an operating joust machine. <laughs> 
And the highest score you can get on Joust before the, it flips over is uh, uh, 999999, 999,000. So uh, but if you flip it over, then it looks the same as having a score of zero. So to, the, the highest score you can get on any Joust machine is, is that score, 999,000. Right. So he's going from Joust game to Joust game and getting that score on every single <laughs> game in the country. He's got a big map, like an online that. map to track his progress. With little pins. I know. And yeah, he's a gonna, dark forest he's, he's, guest he, if I ever heard he's one. He's got every Joust machine triangulated. <laughs> Holy and he's gonna, smokes. I know. He's got to come here to Pinballs. We Have Have you been to Pinballs? No, but it's right by where I'm staying. I really want to I want to go over there and get to it. Wait, p- pinballs with a Z. With a Z. Pinballs. Why not? There's a really great, There's they call it a pinball museum in Vegas. And it is not a museum. It is an arcade. Uh, that is uh, that is ambitious to call it a museum. <laughs> this place is almost like a museum. It's all like classic. Uh, uh, like the upstairs is a lot of old classic uh, pinball games. Like right. every movie property. Like it's it's that's so much fun for no look, reason. Yeah, yeah. and then that like then downstairs mostly old classic. Video it's games. it's weird living in Los Angeles and then um, like like Mary, Marilyn Rice Cub is a friend of mine and she was on Twenty Four and there's a Twenty Four pinball machine and there's a big picture of Chloe from Twenty Four who's what she played. And, uh, and you're like, that's distracting. I can't play. That's distracting. I don't know what to do with that. Does she have, like, cleavage hanging out or anything? Usually on the pinballs, um, kind of lurid. I, they, it might be, but um, you couldn't look. She, yeah. doesn't have a lot of, she doesn't have a lot of boobs. But what it is is I think she's super leaning into the camera, so it's like she's staring at you while you play, and you're yeah. like... Like she's better than you, and, you're like, <laughs> and she does. She plays a. She's been on the show before, but she can. She plays a giant techie nerd. You know, she plays like an internet nerd on the on twenty four. She has. She can't even. She called me up. She was like, "I'm having some trouble with my email," and right. I was like, "Your email? What do you mean?" <laughs> I thought you were a super hacker. Uh, Reboot the machine, ma'am. Is the machine plugged in? Is, is are, are your your basic questions you want to ask right. everybody that, that calls up and asks? So, what do you like to do now? Like, what 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 are your dorkdoms now? My dorkdoms now. I'm kind of starting over in early dorkdoms because I have a four year old daughter, so she's oh, okay. like really into superheroes and the Super Friends. Initially, she was all into. Male superheroes. I was getting a look at Cross-Eyed at the Montessori school because she was coming and dressed up as Batman and Spider-Man. But now she's interested in Batgirl and Wonder Woman and kind of e- – she's equal opportunity. She loves all of the super friends. Right. And, and as a four-year-old girl, she's uh, she's dipped in princess lore. It's uh, true. It's not her fault. It's, it's not, not her yeah. fault. It's uh, You just got to sort of zip it. You just got to nip it in the butt if you can. Just because I have tried to explain to my four-year-old niece that uh, princesses, they do not have good lives. First no. of all, their moms <laughs> die almost immediately. Right. And second of all <laughs> – Plus, they, you have to be really inbred just to even be a princess. So right. Yeah. It's, it's one of the crummiest jobs yeah. I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It's, so your uh, teeth are going to be all... That and a navigator in an MRAP in Iraq. It's, uh, <laughs> those, are, those are my two uh, my go-tos. Not good careers. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Uh, it's uh, that and the hot dog stand that I worked at. So you used to give plasma. That's in your that's in your bio. Yeah, well, I, that was during my year of college. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I still got well, my I scar. Do you got your scar still? I do have my scar. Oh, nice. Um, right nice. there, you can kind of see A little it. bit of a circle? Right, right, bit of a circle? Yeah, right there. That's, that's my it. plasma scar. That's nice. 20, 25 bucks a pop. College? That's a good time. College. Oh, yeah, wow, yeah. Sure. Good. You know, eventually, uh, the student loans ran out, and, uh, and then and the drinking buying, problem set in. And nobody was buying candy bars. Nope. anymore. <laughs> right. I, I learned in college that uh, that skimming off the top was not the way to go. <laughs> they were like, you know those those lessons at the end of sitcoms? Yeah. They're actually real. You might right. want to look into that. <laughs> when you finally got to advanced ethics in college, you're like, oh, you should my friends should be doubling going, the price of those candy bars. Skimming Jackie. off the top is actually a crime, Jackie. It's uh, it's called fraud. And I was like, fraud? Because my dad, when they caught me. Me. My dad told me that um, the only reason that um, 
the school was mad was because I was making a greater profit than they were. That's what my dad told me that they were mad. And my stepmother was like, no, no, that's not actually why they're mad. They're mad because it's fraud, Jackie. And I was like, you defrauded all of South Milwaukee. It's a, she said, were you selling them saying you're selling them for profit or did they think all the money was going to student council? And I said, the student council. And she was like, yeah, that's where the lie comes yeah. in, Jackie. That's just called lying. And then and if they didn't, still didn't want it for student council, I would say UNICEF. And then almost <laughs> always. And I was just like, this is all the money. All the money is going. So what I did later, after she explained that, I just bought candy wholesale. Oh, and just started selling it. Uh, didn't Sales were not as good. Sales were not as good when you don't have the credibility of a charity behind you, it turns out. When you're just going, yeah, I can't find a job. Somebody offers you a job. It's really irritating. Uh, I, uh, I got my first job that way. I was a dishwasher at a, a, an Italian restaurant. It wasn't fun. It wasn't, right. I don't know if you've ever. No, my first job was a busboy. As oh, there I you work go. closely with the dishwasher. Right, exactly. <laughs> Did you end up soaking wet? Uh, it was a pancake house, so my arms would always kind of be covered in sticky syrup, and oh. I don't know. I'm having, Foul. I'm getting creeped out just thinking about it. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for bringing it up. Thanks a lot. I'm, I'm here for you. <laughs> it's uh, so so. She's into superheroes, and you obviously like comic books because you come here, right? Yes, um, I'm more of a, a movie guy, um, I, just because I I was kind of poor as right. well, government cheese, you know, and all of sure. that in the '80s. And uh, we couldn't afford to buy comic books, uh, and I would read my friends' comics, but couldn't really afford to collect or and buy you, comics. And you couldn't somehow. keep up when you're I, reading your friends' comics. You, I know gaps in what's happening. I know, and then you've—it's <laughs> so addictive, it's crazy. What were your uh, comics that you? I the only thing I read—I never read comics until I, I, I married into the dorkdom of comic books when the books just kept coming. <laughs> they, we moved in together, and the long boxes—I was like. What the heck is happening? Where are all these? And he very quickly, Andy Ashcraft was like, don't worry about it. You'll never see them. You'll never see them. I have a system. You'll never see them. And he had bought a bed frame that was high enough that most of the long boxes fit underneath <laughs> right. them. And so he gets most of the closet space. But I'm, I seriously, I'd never read. And then he turned me on to come. And now I'm in. I'm on board. I am dipped within an inch of my very self. <laughs> I cannot stop reading them, quite honestly. It's, uh, but so. What what movies are you like? Do you watch all movies? Uh, well, now are I you swear, that like I have so much now. Like it, it's good that my job is nerding out because that's right. when I get to do most of my nerding out now because. Uh, uh, all of my free time is uh, hanging out with my kid. And that's all, like, she, she will get into something like Ghostbusters. She became obsessed with Ghostbusters for a while. Um, and the she, movie uh, Ghostbusters? Uh, and not, it wasn't awesome. me. Like, I'm huge into Ghostbusters, sure. um, clearly. Uh, but it wasn't because I have, you know, a proton pack. She got into it because she spent the weekend with her grandma, and Ghostbusters 2 was on television, and I think they watched it all day. And so she came home singing Ghostbusters. <laughs> that's good grandparenting. Yeah, I know. I like uh, it. Yeah, there, there's a lot of that going on over there. That's and they, um, uh, <laughs> I'm criticizing my grandma. There's no, babysitting. No, no, no. No, no, on this d- podcast, and please babysit a yeah. and b. Uh, uh, I, I was I would I would crawled into a television as a child, and I'm fine. Yeah, so it's fine. <laughs> It'll all work out. Don't worry. But uh, so my country, like what I do is like because she kept wanting to watch the movies over and over again, and those are PG movies. It's probably not appropriate for a four year old to watch all the scary Ghostbusters. So I got the Ghostbusters box set of the real Ghostbusters comic. Oh uh, right, right. Uh, of the uh, uh, cartoons cartoon from right? the '80s. Oh, which I love, which is like the best uh, one of the best cartoons of all time. So now we watch a lot of uh, watch a lot of the real Ghostbusters lately right. to stave off the My Little Pony interest because she's got some oh, serious. Yeah. And there's a new, there's new. Obnoxious My Little Ponies. That's an yes. abomination compared to the old. Before Christ and Man, really? It's a bad <laughs> to the thing. True fans of the of whoever they are. Uh, the of true the, fans of My Little Pony. Of the, the original new... My Little Pony. This new, you know. This what new is the hip, difference? 
that's you know it's, they're just kind of uh, they're uh, hip young obnoxious uh, catchphrasey My Little Ponies they're not the sweet oh, they're quippy? frolicking in the glade My Little Ponies that we oh. remember so fondly nobody wants a quippy pony I've, yeah, I don't know who wants that really any flavor of My Little Pony I'm not going to be happy about <laughs> I'm trying to push her back towards the Justice League and the Super Friends although those exactly. old Super Friends those old Super Friend cartoons are not that good either the ones with no. Casey Kasem doing the voice of Robin yeah yeah they're, they're hard to watch how about Ninja Turtles Ninja Turtles. I, I never Turtles? was on the Ninja Turtles. I like the comics. I love the original black and white, like Eastman and Lair. Those were uh, uh, Kevin cool. Eastman will be in my next live podcast. Oh, awesome. um, yeah. So uh, when I met him, I was a little bit much like when I met you. I was like, "Hello." Doesn't he own heavy metal? Didn't he buy heavy metal? Yeah, he's he's doing heavy metal now too. Yeah, That's awesome. So I got to look into that because I don't know anything about it. It's this badass magazine that every all the nerds grew up reading, and then he uses TMNT money to buy heavy metal, and I'm jealous. And hopefully land. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't just buy a magazine. <laughs> By the way, when you win the lottery, buy land. Don't just buy a magazine, people. I know you. I know you want to buy uh, the the uh, Avengers number one, and that'll be great. It'll be better uh, to buy land. <laughs> it'll be better to buy land. I got a whole uh, Lex Luthor land scheme that I'm working out that's not going to be necessary. And that's where it came from. That's where my, my idea about land. <laughs> land. Yes. You know what never goes out of style? Stocks may rise and fall, but land. Land will yep. always be uh, something that you want. Superman won. It's true. It's, uh, it's a good one. It's always good to take advice from the bad guy who's trying to kill off all of California. I know. He's but, clearly uh, a guy spouting wisdom. I should pay attention here to this madman. <laughs> <laughs> As we're in a comic book store, would you like to recommend uh, some comics for the for the for the people standing? I would not be the guy to rec- You know, the guy that I the comic book that I got my favorite probably of all it's time. It's probably collected. It's yeah. probably collected. I have all of them. Uh, it was this guy uh, uh, who's kind of a well known comic book artist, uh, Evan Dorkin. Does this series of comics? I don't know if he's still doing them or he would do them every few years, kind of on his own. Uh, um, uh, just called Dork Collection, and one of the sub comics in there. He does milk and cheese and some other stuff, but there's a. It's just a bunch of nerds hanging out in a basement. It's called the Eltingville uh, Science Fiction Horror. Uh, uh, um, Eltingville Science Fiction Horror. Uh, fantasy fan club. Oh, that's or, or awesome! Fan club, and it's just these guys. It's a bunch of nerds arguing in a basement about <laughs> fandom. <laughs> Um, and he would do like I'm okay one of the, with that. They made a pilot for it. It was going to be a, it could have been a cartoon for uh, Cartoon Network, and they made a pilot for it that was great. Um, and one of these won an Eisner Award, but it's like my favorite all time because it's nerd. There's nothing funnier to me. You could probably tell from my book than nerds arguing about nerdy stuff. Right. Oh, all day right, long. The minutiae. Oh, it's hysterical. Oh, you know, just in the way awesome. that they, they get so angry, like the fevered. You know, like. <laughs> And, the, and he's really good about getting, like, just nerds arguing about little details that would not matter to anybody else. And so, Let's I, talk briefly about your movie, the movie that I saw uh, where um, a guy has cancer. Where nerds are arguing. Where their nerds are arguing. And uh, fanboys? Fan, fanboys, that's fan right. Fanboys, that's right. And uh, as I have no notes in front of me, and I'm just like, you, you, you know this stuff. <laughs> and uh, come on, man. And uh, so did you make it? I can't remember because I only saw it about a year ago. Uh, did you make it before Phantom of the... Um, I wrote it before Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace came out. Um, uh, yeah, that came out in 1999, and I wrote it in the uh, the end of 1998, right at the height of prequel mania, like right. five months out, like when everybody, all the, everybody who had grown up on Star Wars and hadn't seen a new Star Wars movie in 15 years was freaking out, and everybody right. was like, oh my God, it's, you know, and uh, I was you working... You tear in, up when you see the trailers. I know, I was working... I I, that was right <laughs> when the first trailers were, like, premiering. I remember going to see, like, some crappy Adam Sandler movie just to see the Star Wars. <laughs> Just to see the trailer. Waterboy. <laughs> Waterboy. Oh, still. I'm still mad about Waterboy getting my money. Because uh, how I had about to see 50 ep- first dates? I want to cut myself. <laughs> anyway. Yep. That's how you know that you're a, a true true nerd. When you pay to see a 
Just to see the trailer. <laughs> of another just movie. See, yeah, exactly. And then you sit through Waterboy, then, yeah. Um, anyway, so that was when I wrote uh, uh, Fanboys, and my idea was to try to make it as a little indie movie like Clerks, like here in Austin. Oh, right. Uh, as my way to like break into the movie business, because I was really inspired by Clerks and what Kevin Smith did, and Linklater and Slacker and, and uh, Robert Rodriguez and El Mariachi, all these guys. Yeah, El Mariachi were, was great. And all these guys were making little movies with no money and using it as a way to break in. So And Kevin Smith especially, I'm like, well, this guy just wrote a funny movie, and it's really just people talking talking about, you know, pop culture and and I felt like I could write funny dialogue. Yeah. Um, and so Turns out uh, you can. Yes, thank mm-hmm. you. Um, and so that's what I did. I wrote this script and then tried to make it myself and I had never made a movie before. I had no idea what I was doing and I had like a borrowed digital camera and um, so uh, I ended up not being able to make it, but the one genius thing that I did was I wrote a part for Harry Knowles to play himself uh, uh, in it because I knew Harry because we were f- like fellow film geeks in Austin and I would see him at movie screenings and stuff. Okay. And um, and so I gave it to him and said, Harry, I want you to play yourself in this scene because if you were going to break into Skywalker Ranch and you wanted to get blueprints and <laughs> right. uh, Harry would be the guy <laughs> that you would go to. I read the script to episode He's one. He's the guy from here who's a, who yeah. is a collector, right? Um, he runs Anacool News and he lives like uh, uh, Anacool uh, News, yeah, yes. dot com, right? Yes, he lives like a mile like north of here and uh, he's like a, a local like Austin he's legend. a dork luminary he, he is, is a, a dork local. luminary and mm-hmm. so he um, and everybody in the movie industry reads his website every day still and um, so he he didn't read the script he didn't read it and I'm like Harry I need to know if you're going to do this because I need to recast this part because I'm going to try to make this movie and so he finally <laughs> read it and then he read it all in one sitting and loved it like flipped oh, out great. for it and said it was the best script about nerds, the best nerds arguing <laughs> script that he had ever <laughs> read. And he wrote this glowing review of it on his website. And since everybody in the movie industry reads that website, it got all of these producers and, and had genuine, you know, like Lionsgate, like genuine, yeah. yeah, people interested in my script. And uh, even though I had no idea what I was doing and I hadn't actually like made the movie yet. So um, I ended up giving up trying to make it myself because of all uh, this producer approached me about optioning the script and mm-hmm. then um, started working to develop it with him. And then it took, and then episode one came out and I'm like, well, there goes that. You know, no one's ever going to want to see a road trip about a movie to go see this, you know, nightmare, <laughs> this train wreck. I, I really hate I, I, I found that the movie was very sad on two fronts. No. One, that that man had cancer, and one, that yeah. that was the movie he had to see when, when he didn't. Everybody, that's what everybody said right away. They're like, oh, my God, that, what a horrible thing to do to your dying friend and make him go see episode one. Phantom thing, Yeah, and the thing that, like, it's hard, it's hard, it's easy to forget now is that that was the most anticipated movie in the history of uh, cinema. Yeah, movies. Yeah. You are never going to have a whole generation of people lining up around uh, around theaters all around the country and the world, like, waiting for days and weeks at a time to see the same movie, partially because they were all so disappointed when they finally <laughs> did, like, right. see this movie. But just that, that was a unique thing. Star Wars is a unique thing to a like a certain generation and there was yeah. like a big gap of 15 years yeah. and now clearly there will never be another gap of 15 years without any Star Wars there's a non-stop barrage of Star Wars <laughs> right from here Which, from Legos to, from, to everything yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a, it's but a that gold was a, mine but that was a unique time and, and, and Star Wars was like a kind of a, um, a unifying thing uh, to that generation so that was that was what interested uh, uh, me about that time is the most anticipated movie of all time and I knew people who felt that way like I, if I missed this movie it would kill me it would be like right. the worst thing ever if I I missed it. So that seemed like a great idea for for um, uh, for a road trip movie. And so it was. And, and it so. holds up. It holds up even though the movie is because it's it's really poignant and it's very sweet and it's it's full of nerds talking about uh, that which they love. Thank you. And, it, got, it really yeah. got watered down a lot. Like I feel like if you ever watch Fanboys and there's like a scene where the movie feels like it's 
uh, making fun of fanboys or being a fan culture as opposed to celebrating it, then that's where you can see Hollywood and like the yeah, and their stupid little fingerprints all over it because I, do. I don't yeah. appreciate that uh, dork force safe space uh, and all because there, there's like people who there's people who always are making fun of fans and you're like hey doesn't that pay your Rent, exactly. you jackass? Yeah. It really got ugly. Well, they wanted to, um, that was what happened with fanboys. They wanted to change the whole dying friend plot line. They, like, actually uh. shot a version of it where they're just going to to Good. go break into Skywalker Ranch because they want to see the movie early, just because they're huge nerds. Right. And it changed, it rips the whole heart of the story and ruins yeah. the whole movie. And that was, like, that was my first, that was my first experience with, like, like the stereotypical thing that everybody warns you about Hollywood and you're like, oh, it can't be that bad. Oh, it's that bad. And um, <laughs> like, yes, they will change your whole movie after you've already shot it and finished right. it. They will go back and read it. So that like that was a big motivation for me to I think finish. We set it in Paris in 1947. It's, That'd it's be true. great. How about they're all talking chipmunks? How about that? <laughs> so that taught me that like that experience taught me that Hollywood was never going to let me nerd out as much as I wanted to. Uh, you know, at the level that I wanted to, to like drill down so that I would write this book and then everybody would see what a huge nerd I am and how, you know, because like yes. I think some people would watch fanboys and be like, oh, this is made by people who aren't true fans or, you know, because there are fingerprints by people who don't know who Boba Fett is, you know, on it, all over it. Oh. And it's like tainted. So that made me want to like, I wanted to tell a story where there's nothing between me and the audience and I could just nerd out directly as, you know, much which is I'm. what the book is. Thank and you. Yeah. It's yeah. And they've optioned this too, right? Aren't they going to make a movie out of this? The, yeah, the, day at, the day after I sold the book to Random House, like it was the most like ex- shocking, like exciting 36 hours of like my a life. Me- I, uh, so- somebody told me it, it got to the point where I was talking to people about talking to you and meeting you and, and doing this show. And they were like, well, you know, it was optioned just when he pitched it. And I was like, what? What? Like before he even came up with the book, uh, they, they bought the movie. I don't right. know if you even know this. No. No, and uh, he was 11 true. years old, and he was playing that game. And they optioned the shut it, shut it. Yeah, no, no. no it was the it was they had the book, book was done. They, yeah, the book was done, and I okay. sold the book. It, yes. it, to, to Random House. There was like an auction for the book at, between the different publishers in New York, and which is neat. That's yeah, awesome. Because I thought that I'd written this book that me and four other nerds were going to like. <laughs> um, you know, maybe. If Can I, was I recommend lucky, you would, buy land? <laughs> okay, so. It would be like a little uh, yeah. you know cult book because it like if you can if you know the book and you imagine being the guy right. It and you're like, who is ever going to – can I even publish a book like this? Is it possible to have you know, uh, a book that's just you know, this jam-packed with references to other things? Is it even legal? You know, I wasn't right. even sure. Oh, so, right, right. So to even think that it was um, – were, uh, were there any problems with no, that? No, no, not at all. It's all fictitious use. You know? Stephen okay. King has been doing it for years. You can put you know, anything you want. It, a movie is a much different story. Like uh, if you put a song – you can have any soundtrack you want in a book. But if you put a song in a movie, you're actually reproducing that song. Ah, uh, that making, makes sense. You're making a copy of it. So, so. When, they, when they show clips of War Games – or whatever movie's real genius. Um, it's going to be, they're going to have to secure all of that. They're um, going to do yeah. all the rights and everything. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully. Like, they own some stuff, like Blade Runner is owned by, Warner Brothers is like the biggest movie studio in the world, and they oh, also so have they a own huge, a bunch of stuff. They have a huge music library and a huge library of movies, and um, so what I did is I had a list of everything that Warner Brothers owned, and I wrote the screenplay, because I'd already established as a screenwriter, so when I sold the rights to the book, they let me write the first draft of the screenplay. Well, thank God. Um, yeah, but it was still really difficult, because a movie has to be different than a book, and, and a lot of stuff had to be condensed and, and, and changed. So the movie, you know, the movie, that's why the book is always better than the movie because the book plays out in your head and it's exactly the way that, you know, it's, yeah. the casting's perfect and the dialogue delivery is perfect because it all plays out in your mind. Whereas in a movie, you're limited to what you can make happen in front of the camera. Right, and somebody else's vision to some right. extent, yeah. you know? It's, uh, they all can't be Willow. They can't all be Willow. It's true. With the <laughs> I like that you just repeated that. Like, what just happened? Did you mention Willow? <laughs> no, I mentioned Willow. Uh, there's a Willow joke in Fanboys at the end when they're in the Skywalker uh, 
like the uh, archive room, and they're surrounded by all these great props and stuff. And there's Willow's spellbook there, and nobody gives a crap about Willow's <laughs> spellbook. Nobody gives enough crap about Willow. Oh, I man. love Willow. Um, you know, if they made that, if that movie was just about Val Kilmer's character, the Master Swordsman, Mad Mardigan, yeah. I love the Mad Mardigan scenes. The rest of the Use the, the wand. Willow. I know, yeah. All the, oh. And he's throwing magic acorns at people. I don't, you hey, know. Once there's you start a throwing peck with an acorn pointed I know, at me. Yeah. I don't think you understand. <laughs> all right. We've hit rock Warwick bottom. D- We're <laughs> quoting Willow. Warwick That's Davis. Warwick Davis. He was great. He was amazing. So uh, was. let's uh, let's let's talk about things that, uh, let's wrap it up. And, and, and what would you recommend people read besides your stuff? What, um, what, what do you love? What do I love? The, yeah. Um, or see or watch or yeah, look just, at it on the internet besides, keep Clean. Yeah. Oh um, uh, well, you know this, you uh, this isn't news to anybody, but like I, <laughs> uh, this game Skyrim that just came out is. Oh, is there a, a new I'm, game called Skyrim out? There is a new game called Skyrim. It turns out that people have lost their lives to Skyrim I in the last week and why. a half. It's like being the star of a episode of Game of Thrones, or you know, like a, a Conan movie. It's amazing. It's like a like get, video games have gotten to the point now where you start playing them and you feel like you're the star of a movie. Like, right. And it's um, like I haven't felt can, like. Can this. you build your own avatar in Skyrim? Yes, you can change the length of your nose. I spent a good ten minutes just changing my guy's nose around, <laughs> and, t- and then I moved on to the eyebrows. Like you can, some people that's their favorite part of the game is just tweaking the way because you can make it look exactly like you or look like somebody completely different. And there's all different kinds of races. There are cat people. Oh. You can spend a while, you know, some time designing a, a, See, a cat my, person. Here's my problem, and it's is it a PC game or is it? Um, it's on every platform. Every platform yeah. you might want to. They've been possibly. working on it for like five years. It's an Elder Scrolls game, which these yeah. are like a long series of very popular games. Yeah. This is like, um, people, I just I got sick of hearing people talk about it. It's like The Wire, you know. Eventually, you just have to watch it because you're sick of hearing about how awesome it is, right? Um, and then you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's you are awesome. correct. <laughs> it is awesome. Turns out it's the darkest thing on the planet, right. but it is very yeah, it's yeah, super sad, and I want to burst into tears. But okay, yeah, it's really well done. That's how Skyrim is. Even if you're not into like you know usually games like that, it's very intuitive and it's so much fun. Is it intuitive? It's the it's intuitive the the like the menus and like picking up stuff and dropping stuff okay. and all of that is very easy to figure out even if you're not a huge. Well, because I, I still play uprights. Is a uh, is I still go to the arcade. Okay, it might be too advanced. Right. Well, because I if, can't, still playing, if I if spent you're, you're still playing Dig Dug. It might be. Ooh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm playing Time Crisis Four. Oh, okay, is what I'm playing. Right. A, I'm playing the new the new uprights. The, is what I'm playing. Okay. I'm playing. Uh, there's a the Hydro Thunder. There's a follow up. It's H2 Overdrive. Oh well, that's good. See, Fast I thought you were in the back playing Zaxxon. I don't care what other new games there are. Zaxxon. I was really good at Zaxxon. I'm not gonna lie to you, uh, but the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had Zaxxon in my kitchen for a while, so oh, did you? That. Yeah, oh, that's pretty sweet. And I traded though. it up for Smash TV. Oh, but really? now I've got Black Tiger. In now the I got Black Tiger in the garage. Yep. That's pretty sweet. We have a we have a we have a, an iguana in the garage. You know what? You <laughs> can, you can light him up if you want to uh, wear orange in really? front of him. Yeah, he hates the color orange, and uh, <laughs> and he gets all aggro. He gets really aggressive when you're. Here's a picture. Here's a picture of uh, Tiberius. Of the lizard? Oh, Tiberius. Here's a picture oh, of, of Tiberius Dracus. You may be flyered if you'd like after <laughs> the show, Dracus. ladies and gentlemen. There's Tiberius Dracus is his name. He's named after not Tiberius from Star Trek, but Tiberius Dracus, uh, the Roman general. That's who he's named after. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't name him. I thought it's your husband's Dungeons and Dragons character. No. Tiberius Dracus. <laughs> I knew a guy, Quest Akita. Anyway, uh, <laughs> changed his name to Quest Akita. You have to stop hanging out with that guy, turns oh, yeah? out. Once you've See, changed I your name used... to your Quest Akita name. I know. That's bad news. There was a guy that I... Um, I worked when I worked tech support uh, here in Austin at Time Warner. This guy who worked next to me went by the name Shadow, and uh, uh, I think his real name was was Earl or Carl or something. But he <laughs> Carl. he was sticking to the Shadow thing. And sure. every phone call, hi, this is Shadow. Uh, how can I help you? 
<laughs> yes, sir. Shadow. <laughs> Support. Yes, that's my name. All day, listen to this guy repeat the name. Sh- yes, and my name is Shadow. Explain. Yeah. I'm like, your name's not Shadow, dude. <laughs> you know what? Nobody it's, names it's, a kid Shadow. It's Carl. Actually, um, Come on, Carl. <laughs> Andy always talks about wanting to name his kid something weird, like if we were to have kids. But I have only like four eggs left, so it's not not an issue. But uh, don't worry about it. But uh, I can do amazing things now. With I know. Yeah, I, I don't want to litter. Uh, right. It turns out. And, uh, what about a race of super jackets? <laughs> How about a race of Down syndrome babies? I also don't want that because I'm an asshole. Right. Because uh, I understand that they're the best people to hang out with ever. Anyway, uh, really, a lot of silence. A lot of silence from. Uh, in other news, uh, <laughs> he likes the, he likes the name Waffle Waffle, Waffle. Ashcraft. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I think not. I'm not naming him after inanimate objects. My brother named his son uh, Talon, so I might have a nephew named uh, Talon. Talon. I Remember know. The Talon I, know. Car? I try to talk him out of it, but now that he's you know he'd suffered. What some, is he? Thirteen. Now he's thirteen. Now Talon's the ladies, uh, the, the girls like him, that he has the name Talon. It, uh, it's Ernie. I'll tell you that for for a junior high name. Ernie Talon. Uh, I'm yeah. gonna go with Talon. Yeah. Yeah. Ernie is a bit of a row. What, what's Ernie? Is it short for Ernest? Yes, it is. Right. But like it. Uh, in high school, it was short for Hey Ernie, where's Bert? Ernest and Julio Gallo. <laughs> Ernest lives in a hollow tree. Ernest saves Christmas. Ernest goes to camp. All of that. It was a, yeah. But right. now, Brum, right. now it's my fancy author name. Now it's sure. Now yeah. it's Ernest Ernest Klein. Yeah, it's fancy. All right, I like it. <laughs> Ernie Klein, I am psyched to have met you. I am psyched that uh, you have done this program. This was a blast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys for, for coming. This was awesome. Thanks for coming out, you guys. Thanks. Have the handshake. Thanks for listening, people. Next one's up. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. (laughs) My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?